But I think I'm going to preach a little bit. Man, I'm excited. I'm excited about this. There is a difference between the Old Covenant and the New Covenant. And I'm going to say something that I repeat a lot. (laughs) Okay. And uh, how many of you believe the Bible? And there is a danger in mixing the two covenants. And some, some people and some ministries, I'm, I'm, I'm treading lightly here because let me just give you a, a disclaimer right now. I'm not here trying to throw shade on any, any ministry. I'm, I'm here to cover you because I'm responsible for, for this flock. And um, so... I kind of want to give you a warning to the, to the dangers of, of mixing law and grace. It is clear uh, that we are not under law, we are under grace. And, but there are ministries that claim that, oh yeah, we, we receive, we, we accept grace and we preach grace. But then the next week, or even sometime in the, right after preaching grace, they're preaching law, so therefore you have a mixture here. Now, I, I, would, I would challenge you to, to just meditate on this. Write it down if you want to, because it's, it's really very important. I, and I say it a lot, and don't just say like, ho-hum, you know, there he goes again, he keeps talking about the same thing. I have to because that's my assignment. And I want you to get it. I want it to get deep, deeply rooted on the inside of you. So I want to be crystal clear about this, okay? Because all the stuff that I've been preaching about the gospel, about Jesus, uh, it can go right out the window in five minutes by receiving a mixture. And I'm going to give you an example from an email that I got this week. Um, Now, if you ask... If you ask folks, oh, yeah, we preach grace, but it's, again, it's the mixture. Okay, now here's a statement that will help you to differentiate the two covenants. Now, we're talking about life in the new covenant, and we're going to come from uh, Hebrews in just a second here. But I want to preface it by saying this. The old covenant is a relationship with God that is based on what you had to do to qualify for God's blessings. It was a do good, get good, do bad, get bad system. All right? That was a temporary system until Jesus came. Jesus came, he fulfilled the law. So in the new covenant, the new covenant is a relationship with God that's based on what Jesus did to qualify you. Again, the Old Testament is a relationship with God that's based on what you had to do to qualify for God's blessings. You had to keep the commandments in order to get blessed. That was the old system. That's not the new system. The new system is a relationship with God that's based on what Jesus did to qualify me, to qualify you. 
Calvary covered it all. Now, let's just jump right in. I did a lot of, didn't make much ground last week, did a lot of review. But um, praise God. Hebrews chapter 8, beginning in verse 7, talking about this new covenant. I want you to know exactly what it is. It's, it's really summarized right here in Ephesians, verse, excuse me, Hebrews. It's summarized here at Hebrews 8. For if that first covenant had been faultless, then no place would have been sought for a second. I'm going to try not to comment on a lot of this stuff that... I covered last week because finding fault with them he says behold the days are coming says the Lord who did, he, who did he find fault with the people it wasn't the law the law is perfect the problem was they couldn't keep it the law was our schoolmaster or our tutor to bring us into Christ once we're in Christ we're no longer under the tutelage of the law behold the days are coming say they're here and I'm righteous now. See, righteousness is revealed in the new covenant, in the gospel. The days are coming, says the Lord, when I, make, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. Not, say not, not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws, not the law, because he just told you that we're out of that. Okay, he's making a new covenant. It's not according to that covenant. So he can't be talking about the same thing. He's talking about the laws that he puts in us. So, so we have this, this, we're not led by the law anymore. How are we led? We, we're led by this active, this, this um, intuitive, this dynamic relationship with God, a spontaneous relationship with God. This, it, it, it's, a, uh, it's a dynamic way of, of being led by God because he takes and he puts his laws in us, like, like the law of love, the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus. He, he, he puts these laws. We, we, we have instinctive laws. I mean, what, why should that? It's not that we don't read the, the Old Testament. I mean, because Jesus is in every book of the Bible. When Jesus walked with those two fellows on the road to Emmaus, Cleophas and his, and his, and his road partner, uh, he, and Jesus uh, rolled up on them. And they didn't know it was Jesus. And, and he began to teach them, uh, begin, beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he showed them all, in all the scriptures. They didn't have Ephesians. <laughs> okay. All right. He showed them in all, this is after the resurrection. He began to teach them. Wouldn't you, wouldn't you love to be in on that conversation? What they had was they had Moses, they had and Jesus opened up the, the, the Old Testament. He, he, he showed them in all of the scriptures the things concerning himself. I had somebody recently, 
Uh, I, I just did some writing on it. I mean, I woke up Saturday morning and just wrote on it. I'm going to push it out pretty soon. I'm a, I'm a pusher of the new covenant. Yeah. I'm, a, I'm a different kind of pusher. Yeah. And see, these laws, all of the laws that he writes in our hearts bring liberty. James calls the perfect law of liberty. Right? Man, it just, so, so somebody was talking about how, oh, you know, we need not just teach on one subject. We need to teach the whole counsel of God. And I know what they're getting at. They think that, that uh, well, you, you can't just teach grace. You got to teach the whole counsel of God. Well, I agree we need to teach the whole counsel of God. And, and it's amazing because when Paul said he preached the whole counsel of God, these folks need to, they need to read the Bible. I don't know, like, I, like see, you have, this shows me you have to get grace by revelation because the very verse that they use to try to, to, to say that we got to preach other things other than grace, in the same passage where he talks about preaching the whole counsel of God, he talked about preaching the gospel of grace. <laughs> the gospel of Acts 20, 24, the gospel of the grace of God. And then he said, I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. So is he preaching two different things? He said he, he, he's declaring the gospel of the grace of God because the grace appeared. The law came through Moses. We're not in the law, but we're under what? Grace? So Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. The law was, and God wrote the Ten Commandments. There were 613 laws, but he wrote the, the, the Ten Commandments. They were on tablets of stone, and he, and, he, and he sent somebody to deliver that. But grace came. Grace came down. The Word became flesh. Titus tells us the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared. That lets me know that grace is not a subject. It's a person. <laughs> Listen to this. Jesus is the whole counsel of God. See, because when you're preaching the gospel of grace, you're preaching Jesus and all that he's done on the cross. Jesus is the whole counsel of God. That is why when Jesus was explaining to Cleophas and his boy, he said, he, he, beginning in Moses and all the prophets, he, he showed them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. He told those religious people, when he walked the earth, he said, you search the scriptures. In them, you think you have eternal life. You think you're talking about the whole counsel of God. Let me just paraphrase. He said, but the scriptures point to me. Jesus is the whole counsel of God. Grace is not a subject, it's a person. His name is Jesus. 
So guess what? I mean, subjects like righteousness, okay, what is that? That's revealed when the gospel of grace is preached. So when you're preaching righteousness, you're preaching Jesus. When you're preaching forgiveness of sin, you're preaching Jesus. When you're preaching holiness, you're preaching Jesus. When you're preaching healing, you're preaching Jesus. Everything is grace-based. Grace is not a subject, it's the gospel. That's just side journey, side deal, and that's not going to cost you nothing. I just threw that in there for free. I think we got the scriptures back up here. So anyway, um, okay, so when in the Old Covenant, when he said he would be their God, see, now, He's still our God. He's never changed. It's just the system of the law has changed. He's, it's always been his will to bless his people. Why did you even have the tabernacle, the whole thing about the showbread and the mercy seat and all that, that? What was that all about? It was God's way of blessing his people until Jesus came. He was the only one that could keep the whole law. Nobody could keep it. The law was never given to make a person righteous. The law wasn't made. The scripture is clear. The law wasn't made for a righteous man. And when you preach the law, actually what you're doing is you're promoting sin because the strength of sin is the law. Why do people want to go back to that old system? We're, we're, we're free from the law. We're delivered from the law. We're married to Jesus. And as a matter of fact, the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, Colossians 2 tells us, actually, watch this, and was contrary to us, he nailed it to the cross. He nailed the law to the cross. Why do you want to live, live under something that he nailed to the cross? You're giving the, the devil power when you're preaching the law. Because it, it promotes sin. The do good, get good, do bad, get hurt system produces uh, negativism and sin and destruction. And sin will have dominion over people when they're under law. I'm, I'm doing better teaching than what you're saying, amen. amen. <laughs> so, um, okay. So, when he said he would be their God, which is, is, is in, the, in the New Covenant, he's our God. That means that he's going to bless you in whatever area you need. So when you're sick and he says, I will be your God, that means he's your healer when you need healing. If you have lack and he says, I will be your God, that means he's going to provide for you financially, materially. We covered that. Now here's what I want to get to today. So two things we covered. He's going to put his laws in, in your hearts, right? Yes. What else? He's going to be your God. 
He'll be to you whatever you need. Here, here's, here, look at this one. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none his brother, saying, Know the Lord. For only the preachers shall know me. <laughs> only the most anointed pastors will know me. Only the prophets. No, no, no. All. Now, in this new covenant, I don't have a special relationship with God that you don't have. I don't have more anointing than you have. Come on now. <laughs> the, the word no is a, is a very interesting word. It means to, that word no in the Greek, you know what it means? It means to know intuitively without effort. Intuitively, like instinctively. Some, some would call it just a gut feeling. You live, by, you live out of your heart. And you, you, you know him intuitively without effort. So it makes it, it's, it's easy to know him. That's why last week, I believe it was, that I, 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 I asked you to say, it's easy to know the Lord. Or it's easy, no, here's what I said, I think. It's easy to hear from God. You're his sheep. Say, I'm, a she I'm his sheep. I know his voice. It's easy to hear from God. It can be as hard as you want. See, the reason why people, it, it, people are so conditioned under religion to believe it's, it's hard to hear from God that they don't expect to hear from God because <laughs> they think it's hard. What are you talking about? All of us have a spirit. All we've got to do is acknowledge what we have on the inside of us. Sometimes we, we don't look. I've been to the grocery store to get something I already had in the refrigerator. <laughs> Went through all that trouble. Huh? You ever get dressed, go somewhere, man, and come find out, like, getting ready to get in the car and then cancel the meeting or went through all that trouble? I, I, I get dressed to go to the store because I don't, I, don't, I don't even get dressed to shower between Sundays. I just, I just the only time I come out the house is on Sunday. And you know, preachers, we only work on one day a week. <laughs> Actually, that's not far from the truth, but uh, <laughs> no, amen. I, I love what I do, man. I, I don't know the difference between when I'm working uh, and when I'm not, because I just love what I do, man. 
man. I tell you what. And I, I, I tell you, uh, why, I, why did I say that about the store? Am I getting all off? Well, I, already, I know, I know. I'm not asking. I'm, I'm just saying. I know. Okay. Wait, what, say what? Cook? You say something about cooking? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I, I know, I know. I thought you were trying to be funny. Okay. No. But you go going looking for something, and you, you went through the store. You, already, you get home, put it in, in the refrigerator, and there it is. See, and it's, it's right there, and God doesn't hide things for you, unlike my wife. She, um, <laughs> one of these days, anybody have, anybody, I'm not going to throw my wife under the bus. It's just not her skill. You know, you got to know what your strengths are. Right. Organizing is not, is not one of her strengths, and uh, it's, just, it's just not. You know, she, now, she'll get up here and motivate you. Right. Amen. She'll motivate me to find where the ketchup is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so she'll, she'll motivate you about anything. It's in the house somewhere, I know. You can do it. <laughs> so, but that's another s- story for another day. Uh, if you're good at organizing, give me a call. We got we to gotta go through a... We got to go through a, a whole kitchen thing because, man, when I make my smoothie, I mean, it's like hide and seek. Man, okay, where, okay, where is it today? Where's the measuring cup today? Which, which drawers it is? <laughs> Amen. Hallelujah. So, you know what? Grace helped me deal with that. I used to, man, I used to lose my mind over that. Now, I just roll with it. Only God could do that. Man, I had so many attitudes and so many fights broke out in our house over that kind of stuff. Man, and, and just uh, there's certain things that just don't bother her. She don't care. She might. I don't care where. She'll find it. She'll just keep on looking for it until she finds it and then go ahead. And, and I, I'm like, okay, logically, okay, so if we, if we could just, listen, if everything had a spot and it was, because that's how I was raised. Everything had the same spot. You know, the ketchup is not. One day in this cabin, another day another one, another one. You know, it's everything had a spot and drove me crazy. I mean, I lose my mind over that kind of stuff. And, you know, it don't bother me. I mean, you see it still. I still prefer it. (laughs) Right? But I stopped losing my mind over it. Because at the end of the day, you know what? I got a great wife. I never have to come home and wonder about her mood. And, and she's always upbeat. She's always encouraging. She never, because, you know, I got enough enemies. I don't need no enemy at, at my house. I don't have to fight nothing. You understand? <clears throat> so let me balance that thing out. All right. So, so what if I got to spend, you know, extra half an hour looking for something? (laughs) Amen. Thank you, Lord. And 
Oh, I got plenty of time. And don't let nobody, and don't let anybody come over the house. And my stuff is out somewhere. Man, she's going to get rid of that stuff and put it somewhere. Like, I don't know where I put it. But I was like, don't touch my stuff. Just let me put it away. Amen. All right, so what am I trying to say? I'm trying to say that none of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brother saying, no, the Lord all will know me. So it's already in the refrigerator. That's what I'm trying to tell you. You have a spirit. The Holy Spirit lives in you. And so just change your thinking to believe that it's easy to hear from him. It's, it's just easy to know God. Don't, don't look for some audible voice. He's in you. And he don't have to talk. Sometimes you might hear words, and you will, but sometimes you just have an instinct that I should do this. I should start this business. I should pursue another career. I should... Hmm? How many times... It, and if something happens when you listen to the gospel like this, you sit there and you get things. Number one, that's when you know you're in the right church. You come to a place and, man, it's like he was in my house last night. It's like he was in my cabinet this week. How do you know I was looking for the ketchup? And it's just, <clears throat> and you'd be surprised how, how many times these side journeys help people just as much as anything else. I'm telling you, the grace of God will change it. it. It changed me as a husband. And I don't even know how it happened. But when I just put myself under grace rather than rules, oh, I got to treat my wife right. I know better than that. <laughs> uh, and then I feel bad. And I'm, I'm condemned. But I have no power to overcome it. I'm just sorry that I went off on my wife. I'm just sorry. <laughs> and the cycle continued. I get under condemnation. I feel bad about it. Ask the Lord to forgive. Oh, Lord, please forgive me. I didn't. Uh, I still ask my wife to forgive me. I mean, I, I, I still have my moments. But um, we ask each other for forgiveness. But we don't have to ask God because he's already forgiven me 2,000 years ago. He took my sins, past, present, and future on the, on the cross. So now I have the power now. When I, so the difference is now when I, when I say something I shouldn't say to my wife, to Carla, okay? So I don't feel bad about it. I mean, I, I feel, I, yeah, I feel, that doesn't sound right. I'm not under condemnation about it. I'm not happy I said it. But I just, Lord, I just thank you that I'm forgiven. Thank you that I'm under grace. Thank you that you don't hold that against me. Thank you that you're still pleased with me. That, I'm righteous right now. I don't lose my righteousness, my standing with God. I don't lose it. 
because of what I did. And that gives me the power to say, you know what, I was wrong. Sweetheart, forgive me. Give me the power to do that. And there's no shame with it. Then I go on about my business. So, all shall know me. All shall know me. Now, watch this. This is what makes it all possible right here. This next verse. For I will be merciful to their unrighteousness. And their sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. That's what makes it all possible for God to put his laws in your mind, write them on your hearts. That's what makes it possible for him to be your God. That's what makes it possible for you to know him. That he was, verse 12, merciful to your unrighteousness on the cross and your sins and lawless deeds I will remember no more. He made one sacrifice for sins forever. Well, where do you get that he took care of my future sins? Yeah, your sins that you'll commit next week? If you sin? Where does it say he, he, he forgave those? Think about it. On, on the cross, all your sins were future. Amen. Unless you're more than 2,000 years old. So, you get that? That's, I mean, I just, I just gave you the new covenant. That's the new covenant. That's, what, that's, that's, how, that's how we live. And in that, he says, a new covenant, he has made the um, first obsolete. I mean, is that clear or what? What does obsolete mean to you? Now, what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. All right? This slide thing's playing tricks on me, so y'all gonna have to help me over there. So we're gonna go to, let's go to First John. And here's, here's uh, something I wanted to share with you. Uh, under this new covenant, man, for years, I never, I never saw this. I mean, I read First John, I don't know how many times, but in First John 4.10, I don't know if we got the internet connection or what. Let me connect the Wi-Fi, see if this better. Okay, First John, if you have an app, that, uh, or, or some app, I encourage you to get that. You can follow along with us. I mean, first, here we go. In this is love. Pay attention. Not that we love God, but that he loved us. So, everybody say not. not. He said, because some people, and I used to preach this all the time, man. You got to love God, man. Love God. You don't love God enough. <laughs> but he said, in this is love. He said, he tells you first what it's not. It's not, that, it's not that we love God. It's not about your love for God. It's about his love for us. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son to be 
the propitiation for our sins. Okay? Okay, now look at the next, this, First uh, John 4, 18. I don't see a reference here, but I, I'm, I'm sure, I believe that this is First John 4, 18 from the uh, Passion, the Passion Translation. Watch this. Love never brings fear, for fear is always related to punishment. But love's perfection, this is talking about God's love for us. Love's perfection drives the fear of punishment, what? Far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached Love's perfection. Now just think about all the fear that's preached in church. In case you didn't know, have you ever heard any of this in your years in church? That religion teaches. Fear of hell. Fear of punishment. Fear of the end times. Fear of judgment. Fear of being left behind. Fear of disapproval. Fear of never being good enough. Fear of things not working out well for you if you don't do everything right. Fear of what others think of you. Fear of being rejected if you don't follow all the rules. Fear, 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 and more fear. God is love, and his love never brings fear. Fear is always, see, fear always has to do with punishment. You feel like you're going to be punished because of something you did. Anytime that you hear some message that produces fear in your heart, you know that it's not the gospel. All right, I wish I had some more time to just keep driving at home, but now what about what about our love for others? Don't we need need to do that? Listen, look at look at the uh yeah, that was first John four eighteen from the Passion. Let's look at verse nineteen. The next verse from the Passion says, Our love for others, our love for others is our grateful response. To the love God first demonstrated to us. Here we go on back to this effortless living. Once we receive the love the Father has for us, we're going to love him back. And we're going to love others instinctively, intuitively. See, because once, see, that helped me to treat my wife better once I understood how much he loved me. That I'm loved in spite of what I do. When somebody knows everything about me but still loves me. Man, there's so much freedom in that, isn't it? I'm going to say this and I'm going to let you go, but watch this. This is, this is and again, I'm, I'm treading lightly here because I'm not 
Man, these, these are good people. I mean, everybody say good people. And I'm about to share some, some stuff with you. And they believe in healing. They believe that God wants you well. They make that clear. Um, but but, but here's, here's where the mixture comes in. Um, and, this, and it's talking about receiving your healing. But then, uh, then there's this. Thank you, Lord. All right, where is it? Four ways, talked about four ways to prepare for your healing. Now, here's, here's your test right now. See, you know you have a revelation of the grace of God when you can recognize the mixture. Okay. Now, they, they preface this by saying, I mean, you know, you don't have to wonder whether or not it's God's will for you to be healed. Healing belongs to you. But then it gives four ways to prepare for your healing. One, make adjustments in your life. I'm not going to read it all. I'm just going to read the point. Then they explain the stuff that they're talking about. Two, forgive. Three, Focus on love. Four, become an expert. Now, I'm not picking on anybody because this is the kind of stuff I used to teach. Like if you're going to get your healing, you need to make sure you're walking in love. Okay, and this one, man, this one, man, this is... This is not encouraging to me. Be an expert. I mean, are you an expert on what the Bible says about healing? What? Seriously? Now, see, some people, well, what's wrong with that? Just, just keep, keep hearing grace. Okay, okay. Do you walk in love? The, the point on love, do you walk in love toward others? If you, uh, if, if you answered yes right away, it's a sure sign you don't. Now, I'm not, I'm not picking, look, look, I'm telling you, I'm just, is this the church? I'm, I'm talking to summit, I'm talking to summit people, okay, if you just happen to be listening from somewhere else, I mean, you know, I, I pray you, you're able to get something out of this. I'm, I'm, I'm here to cover this body because you can, you can, you get, you can get this kind of stuff from well-respected men who spend a lot of time with the Lord, but just don't have a revelation of grace. Now, if you ask him, it's, oh, yeah, I got, yeah. And the forgiving point, um, naturally speaking, unforgiveness is proven to, to actually cause disease. And, uh, so, you know, and then, okay, but the focus on love part, um, man, somebody you need to apologize to and so forth. And I believe in forgiveness. Now, all these, th none of these things are bad. I just told you I asked my wife uh, to forgive me. So those things are right, but the, here's, but the point is, walking in love toward others, how do I do it? Well, 
I receive the love the Father has for me, and I just do it intuitively. I don't have to, I'm off to try. Too many people that try, I'm trying to walk in love. <laughs> huh? Just live out of your heart. Receive the love the Father has for you. Know how much you've forgiven. He who's just forgiven much, love much. Right? So, so these, it's, but it's not, I have to do these things in order to get my healing. You think I'm wrong? Look at how, look at what Jesus did to qualify people. When he walked the earth, he, I mean, he came up to people who didn't, I mean, he blessed people that, that I mean, the, the, uh, Zacchaeus, the tax collector, man, when he came to his crib, he said, today I'm coming to your house. It's like, what? Man, that guy was so excited. He said, man, half my goods I'm going to give to the poor. If I took anything from anybody, because he was a notorious tax collector. He was ripping people off. He said, if I took anything, he knew he took something. If I took anything, I'm going to give it back fourfold. He got to repenting. And see, it's because, isn't that amazing? Jesus didn't shake his finger in his face. You, you old dirty sinner. <laughs> huh? That's what religion does. You're going to hell, you know. Jesus showed goodness and favor to this guy, and this guy, he started repenting. Isn't that amazing? Romans 2, 4, it's the goodness of God that leads people to repentance. You tell people how good God is. He went around healing people. He never, said, he didn't, he never stopped anybody. You look at Jesus. Look, read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. When he rolled up on people, and, 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 and man, he was, went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. He never qualified anybody. He never said, mm, let me see. Do you have sin in your life? Um... Have you forgiven others? Right. Are you an expert? <laughs> no, man, I was just out here catching fish. <laughs> huh? <laughs> the guy at the pool of Bethesda, man, I ain't got no man. Put me in the water. Everybody always jump up ahead of me, man. Every time I try to get in the water, when the water troubles, man, somebody get in front of me, man. But Jesus said, do you want to be made whole? He said, I don't have a man. Jesus didn't say, are you living right? You need to exercise more than the people you can get in the pool ahead of everybody. You ain't in shape. You know what I mean? <laughs> Every head, body, every eye closed. Heavenly Father.